Alright, back with the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. It is Thursday night, February 11th, and we are talking second baseman. And because we're talking second baseman, I have Red Triangle Sports baseball expert here, Shane Stein, with me tonight. I appreciate that, Matt. It's good to be here. <laughs> Alright, so not a lot happened um, this week in the fantasy world since we talked first baseman last week. The one thing I think that did happen, um, Tyler Clippard signed a deal with the Diamondbacks. Looks like he'll compete with Brad Ziegler for the closer role in Arizona, um, which probably means, knowing the way that organization's run, that like David Hernandez or someone will actually end up being their closer. So, any anything on Clippard for you? I know he's a guy that you usually target um, in your drafts as maybe a setup man or even a closer. Yeah, especially in the league that we're in where we, we have a value on 7th and 8th inning guys as far as holds category. Stupid. Uh, yeah, one of the worst categories in fantasy, by the way. Don't do not do it in your own league. Um, I actually think Clippers going to take that job. I, I think he's the best pitcher in that bullpen. Uh, followed Clippers a lot last year because I had him on my, on my team all year. And I just think he's the best pitcher that they have. Their bullpen was a disaster last year. A lot of... A lot of bad arms in the back of that back of that uh, staff. So I think Clippard ends up taking that job and uh, might be a, a good guy to go out and target there as a as a closer in your in your fantasy drafts this year. Yeah, Z- Ziggler was decent last year. Um, I think he put together a nice season, but he's not really a guy that you I don't think want to, as Eddie would say, hang your hat on as a closer. Um, and the money that they gave Clippard almost leads you to believe that they kind of want Clippard to come in and take that role. I think he got like $12 million for two years. Yeah. So that's a pretty hefty deal for a guy if you want him to just come in. The Dimebacks are apparently selling out for this year, so they might pay $6 million a year for a sixth inning guy. I don't know. But I think he's probably profiling as the closer on that team. I agree with you. Yeah, Ziggler did have an all right season. I feel like he's more of a guy I, I just want to come in and get me a, an out or two. Though. Yeah. He's, he's that kind of guy. Yeah, he'll come in, I mean, in their division – um, he comes in maybe to face a Nolan Arenado, get the big out in the eighth or ninth against the big right-handed bat of the other team. And there's a couple of them in that division: Matt Kemp, um, Nolan Arenado, Giants Posey. Um, there's some there's some good right-handed sticks that they can need him to come in and get some outs. Um, Clippard, I think, just has better stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're on the same page here. I I, I think. Clippers the guy I'd rather hand the ball over to in the ninth when I, I need the three outs. Ziggler's not exactly that guy that I'm confident in being able to shut someone down for the full inning, but I wouldn't mind throwing him in there in the seventh and eighth to get the key outs that you need. Yeah, and in some of these um, some of these deeper leagues that a lot of guys play in nowadays, um, you really almost you know you, some people like to chase who the starting closer is going to be at the start of the year. When you're looking at relievers, I try to get the best pitchers on the team and hope that you know their role develops at some point in some of these deeper leagues, um, especially ones where you know you can change your lineup daily and rotate in guys to get extra whip ERA um, help from middle relievers and then some strikeouts. So you know Clippard's a better pitcher, so I'd probably be targeting Clippard before Ziegler, even if Ziegler's named a closer. Yeah, it's interesting in our draft because th- there is more value on the relief pitchers now. It's not just closers. We have 
seventh, eighth, ninth inning guys that all have a little bit of value. Yep. But I think you're I think you're uh, spot on with that assessment there. I mean, you can usually find guys throughout the season that are going to pick up holds. They're going to just fill those categories, but you really want to target the guys that are just going to be the best pitcher in the bullpen. Yeah. And they can help you out in multiple categories. Most categ- most leagues favor they have ERA, they have WHIP. I know ours has batting average against. So if you can get someone that can fill up three or four of those categories over just a guy that you're going to come in and get a hold for you in the seventh or eighth, yeah, uh, you're better off going that route. All right. So I mean, we'll probably end our positional talks talking about relief pitchers. Um, I think there's still some dominoes to fall out there in the relief pitcher market. So. That'll probably be the last thing we talk about, but sometimes it's nice to touch on that, knowing that it may be about a month away until we finally talk about relief pitchers. So the topic at hand tonight is second baseman. Um, in past years, this may have been one of the least exciting positions. I think last year was the first year that you and I talked about this position starting to turn. Um, we started to see some value there. Um, you know, there's some young guys at the top that are doing some things and there's some proven veterans that I think now, um, that other guys have vaulted ahead of them. I think you're going to get some of these proven veterans that you used to have to pay for the name. I think you're going to get some of these guys at some nice values. So I'm looking forward to talking to second baseman tonight. Yeah. The, the first takeaway that I got when I was doing my second base research is I feel like the position's really deep this year. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of solid players. I feel like bunched up, and I don't know that there's a lot of separation. Once we start getting into the second, third tier players, I, th- I feel like you're going to be able to get a lot of good value at this position in your draft this year. Yeah, and I think that um, you know we talk about tiers, so let's talk about that first tier. For me, I think the first tier is two men, um, Altuve and Gordon, um, and I think you know. They're interesting because I think Gordon might have a higher upside, um, but I think Altuve is one of the safer, you know, late first, early second round picks you're going to find in fantasy baseball this year. So we both ranked Altuve one and D Gordon two. Um, did you give any thought to making Gordon your top second baseman? Uh, I didn't actually. I actually had the gap between two and three smaller than I did one and two. Um, I have Altuve and Gordon as my, as my top tier. Um, I, I think they're clearly the two best. And the reasoning for that is I feel like they're two guys that can kind of win you category on their own. Um, I had Dozier at three, and I didn't want to slide him up into that top tier because I don't know that he's a player that can single-handedly win you a category. Um, but I think the gap between Gordon and Dozier for me is closer than Altuve and Gordon. I, I think Altuve is a little bit on his own here. I mean, Gordon's a great, great fantasy player, and obviously the things he does, stealing bases and the average that he hit for last year were incredible. Uh, I think I just ra- rather the consistency that, that I think you're going to get from Altuve year in, year out. Yeah, Gord- I mean, Gordon's interesting, I think, because he's always going to be one of those high Bavik guys because he runs well, um, hits a lot of ground balls, so he's able to get a couple extra hits just with his legs. He does bunt for hits a lot. Um, Altuve, another, I guess, probably a high BABIP guy without me pulling up his BABIP stats in front of me. But I feel like his is a lot more line drives, and I don't want to call them real hits, um, but you know what I mean when I say that. Um, 
the thing I like about Gordon for this year is hopefully a, a healthy Giancarlo Stanton for 150 game plus games. Um, I think we could see his run totals really shoot up. But Altuve's in a nice lineup too, so maybe that's splitting hairs there. Yeah, I think I think Gordon's value could take a boost there with if Stanton can stay healthy and be in that lineup all the time. Obviously, can't really hurt his run production if you have that kind of bat in the middle of the lineup. But yeah, Altuve's in a pretty solid situation there in Houston with a lot of good bats behind him. So I don't think the run scoring is going to be an issue for him. Um, obviously, you like what both of these guys do on the base pass as far as stolen bags are concerned. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they're both just two really solid options at second base. I I think I, I sh- I'll go with Altuve over Gordon, but, yeah. I mean, I don't think you can really go wrong with either of these two guys at the top. The one thing I'd like to see from Gordon more is a better steal percentage. I feel like he gets thrown out a lot. Um, you know, it, you're, it's more like to compare him to a player in fantasy football. Um, someone that throws chucks at 40 times a game you know you know he may not he may only complete 25 of those 40 passes but the volume is going to be there so that's a nice thing about D. Gordon um Altuve you know he does run I don't think he runs nearly as much as Gordon um but do you think D. Gordon is a safe second round pick for me he's not I I, I lean more towards the third, fourth round for Gordon, um, where I think that would be great value for a guy like D. Gordon. But I'm just not a big stolen base guy usually. Yeah. He's um, going to go in the second round, so basically what you're saying is you're not going to own D. Gordon in any leagues this year. I'm, I'm not going to own <laughs> D. Gordon. Uh, I'm usually not a guy that chases stolen bases. Um, I feel like it's just a category that I, I don't really spend a lot of time trying to worry about. I feel like it's one of those categories that you're going to win sometimes and you're going to lose sometimes in head-to-head. And if someone has D. Gordon, I know I'm probably not going to win that week in, in the stolen bases. I'll, I'll go elsewhere and try to win some categories. But I just feel like it's, it's such a crapshoot. I mean, he's going to have weeks where he steals six, seven bags, and he's going to be the difference. And I just feel like sometimes you're going to be able to win that category if you get two or three steals in the week. And it's just not worth it for me to pay up for that kind of pay – up, pay up the price that I'm going to need to pay for Gordon to, to win that category. All right, so if we move on to Tier 2 – um, I think there's five players in Tier 2. Um, just looking at the way that you and I both ranked them, um, those players are Cano, um, Brian Dozier, Rudnett Odor, Jason Kipnis, and Anthony Rendon. Um, you had Cano three. Or you had him five. I had him three. I had Dozier four. You had him three. Um, I had Odor five. You had him seven. I had Kipnis six. You had him four. And then I had Rendon seven, and you had him six. So I think that's why I put these five in tier two. Um, but I do think there's kind of a clear divide here in tier two. Um, I'm not, I'm not sold on Rendon um, coming back. I know the injury history is really something that I worry about with him. Um, but I think he's maybe the most interesting guy out of those five, so I'd like to start talking about him and what you think of uh, Anthony Rendon. Yeah, obviously the injury concern is there. Uh, he only played in 80 games last year. And he wasn't he wasn't really good in those 80 games either. No, I mean, I think, the, I think the injury really played a big part in that. I mean, we're not too far removed. I mean, two years ago, he's a 20-homer 20, 20 guy. Um, he has a great season. He hits like 290 with 20 homers. 
you're getting that at second base, you're, you're loving it. Um, and he, he was a top guy there. He stole 17 bags, uh, scored over 100 runs. So, I mean, I really feel like the injury kind of just put a huge damper on his season. And that was more the reason that the production wasn't there late in the year than, than him just falling off. He's still a young guy. He's only 25 years old. Uh, and those are kind of the players that I like to target. I mean, guys that are coming into their mid-20s, they're mid to 24, 25, 26. I feel like when you get to that age, you finally start, you're growing up and you're finally coming into your own. I think that's going to be the case with Rendon. I'm pretty high on him. Um, I think he's going to have a nice bounce back season this year. You have his numbers in front of you, um, what he did two years ago. I'm interested in what he stolen bases two years ago. We said he had 20. Uh, 17. That's the part I think I'm most concerned about him. I don't know if that part of his game stays. Yeah, one stolen base last season. Yeah. I mean, he only played, I know he was hurt and only played half the season. But and it was a leg injury with him, right? Yes. Yeah, so that I think that was the big reason why I think he vaulted up on the player Raiders um, two years ago. 20 homers, 17 stolen bases from the second base position is huge. Um, and also the multi-position eligibility is nice with Rendon. Yeah, I think the the way I was looking at, I mean, obviously I'm not expecting a 21-17 season from him again, uh, like two years ago. But I don't see a reason that we can't see maybe a 15-15 season. And for me, if I can get 15-15 out of my second base with someone that's going to hit hopefully 280, I'll, I'll take that every day. Um, I'll take that steady production, being able to fill out a couple categories for me. Um, I just think if he's fully healthy and he's playing every day, he can be an impact player at the position. Yeah, he's probably not a guy that I'm going to be owning um, only because, kind of like D. Gordon, I think people are going to be reaching for that 2014 season when they go out and get him. And um, for me, I'd rather have a guy like Rugnet Odor. Um, Odor has one of the best second halves of last season coming back from um, his demotion early in the year. I think you we talked about before the show. I think he said 15 homers and 52 RBIs in the second half. The last 91 games, he had 15 homers and 52 RBIs. He hit 292. I mean, which is just incredible. One of the best. Those are home. those are Robbie Cano numbers right there. Yeah, that's that's Robinson Cano in his prime right there. <laughs> and if you can get anything close to that out of a full season from Odor, I mean, he, he shoots up and he's the top second baseman this year. Um, I think the reason I have him down at seven is just exactly what happened in the beginning of the year. Um, not really willing to fully trust the guy yet. With that being said, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind having Odor on my team this year. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I wouldn't mind taking a, taking a risk and drafting Odor, but i got to keep that in the back of, my, back of my mind that he did get sent down last year. Uh, obviously, he has the ability to go into a funk, a little bit of a slump like he did last year. I'd like to see him do it a little bit this year again before I fully trust him. Yeah, I tried to grab Odor in our big 16-team league um, right after he came up from the minors because I, I was just anticipating a good time to buy low and the Odor owner wanted no parts of giving him up. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm i interested. My goal this weekend is to start doing some mock drafts. So I'm, He's a guy that I'm interested to see what the consensus, the public really thinks of him and where they're going to be trying to take him at because He's a guy that I would probably consider in round five or round six. Um, Yeah, everywhere I'm reading saying if you can get him six or seven, you're going to get great value there. Okay. So 
So I might have to reach at round five if I get him. Yeah, so you're probably, if you really want him, you're probably going to have to go round five or somewhere around there. So he's definitely an interesting guy to look at this year, though. He's, he's, he's a guy that really hasn't been on my radar the last couple of years. And I know when he came up, there was a little buzz about him, but he just hasn't been on my radar. Still a really young guy. He's only 22. So maybe maybe that second half last year was the real deal. Maybe it was. I mean, if it is, you could be looking at a huge impact player for second base position. If you can find an impact player like that, it really, really benefits you in, in the fantasy world. Yeah. Um, similar production, I guess, without the batting average, Brian Dozier, next guy that I want to talk about in that tier two. Dozier's a guy that you and I kept in, in the league that we co-owned a team in last year, only allowed to keep one hitter, and we didn't, it was either him or Todd Frazier, we chose Dozier. I feel like we made a good call there. Um, his run production is amazing, the runs that he gets at um, the top of what I think is an underrated Twins offense. Um, the power, obviously, is huge at second base. You'd hope the batting average is a little better. He does run a little bit, too. Um Dozier, you had him third in your second base rankings. I had him fourth behind Cano, um, but that was a tough call for me between the two of them. I could have very easily had Dozier third, and he's one of the key cogs of my my sixteen team league, my team that we're in the sixteen team league. So obviously, you're pretty high on Dozier if you have him third. Yeah, I actually had thoughts of putting Dozier in the two spot, but like I said earlier, I don't know that the D. Gordon being able to just win you a steals category kind of kept him in that two spot for me. But yeah, for for Dozier, I mean, 28 home runs at second base is... Jeff Kent. <laughs> yeah, just just incredible. I mean, he hits 28 home runs. He steals 12 bags for you last year. Batting average is a concern. He's not, not going to be a batting average guy for you. Um, but if he's going to hit 20 home, 28 home runs, you're going to live with it. And if you, you can find that guy at second base that's going to hit close to 30 home runs... You take it. Um, scored 100 runs last year, so if, if he gets over 25 home runs again, I mean, still going to be an outstanding season for Do- for Dozier, and I, I just like the guy. I like I like what he does. I saw him play a lot last year, and uh, I was definitely following him, and I'm really high on him again. Yeah, I think he's. Um, you know, if you you don't want to pay for Altuve or Gordon in one, rounds one or two. You get Dozier maybe in round four. Um, it's kind of a nice value there at the second base spot. Um, next guy, Kipnis, Jason Kipnis from Cleveland. He's a guy that I just I struggled to rank. And he, I think it's because I don't really know what I'm getting with him. Three years ago, had the awesome year, power-speed combo. Um, tailed off a little bit in the second half. The Two years ago, um, just a dismal year, really... Really struggled to get it going. And then last year, the batting average was incredible um, for most of the year. I don't know what he finished at. You have it up there. 303. Okay, so 303. Um, real nice season from Kittness, but the power wasn't there. And I don't. the steals, not there either, right? Or were they? 12. 12. So a little bit of a different type of a season for him last year. So that those inconsistencies are what I struggled with with ranking him. I mean, this guy's like a human pinball machine. You have no idea what you're going to get. And looking back on my rankings, I feel like I, I may have misplaced him here. I may have him too high, just based on that fact. Let's take a look back. In 2013, he goes 284, 17 homers, and 30 steals. 
incredible season, mm-hmm. great year. And then he follows it up in 2014, hits 240 with six homers and 22 steals. I mean, he goes from a top second baseman to just having a dismal year. And then he comes back last year and hits 303. I mean, what is he? What is the guy, what is the guy going to be? Uh, nine homers and 12 stolen bags last year. I mean, you're just not really sure. He goes, I feel like he goes in such spurts that he can go two, three weeks at a time where he's one of the best hitters in baseball, and then he, he goes in stretches where, where he's just really poor. Um, so, I mean, you're really – when you draft Jason Kipnis, I mean, obviously there's a, you're, there's a lot of upside there. Um, if he can piece it all together and give you a 280 season and has the potential for, for a 15-homer season and over 20 steals. So the potential's there. You're definitely taking a risk when you draft him, though, because there's going to be some weeks where he doesn't really do much for you. But I still believe in him. He's still only 28, so he's not crossed that threshold yet for me where I think the steals are going to slow down too much. I still think you're going to get a double-digit home run and steal potential from him. Yeah, Kipnis was a guy that you know you and I traded for him. He's another member along with Dozier of our championship-winning team last year. Um, we each carried it. We got him from my dad before the season even started for Jay Bruce. Ended up being a great deal for us. Um, we ended up playing him in our middle infield spot most of the year alongside Dozier, and that was, I mean, huge. We got so much out of Kipnis. He carried us for a time when we were kind of struggling, I think. And I just, like you said with his batting average numbers the last three years, 60-point variance. I mean, that's, that's huge. You, that inconsistency... He's another guy I probably won't own this year um, just because where you're going to have to go to get him, you're not sure that you're going to get that production. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, last year he was he just fit like a glove in our lineup. Yeah. We had, we had a lot of power guys and guys that were producing, and him just being able to hit for that high average all year was just a perfect fit for us. But, but you, that's <laughs> not what we got him for. We didn't count on him for batting average. Yeah, that wasn't even the reason that we, we went for him. So just – an aberration. I mean, you see guys that have variance in their batting average from year to year, but it's usually like a 20-point difference yeah. in, in what they do. They, if they have a different off year or something, they drop 20 to 30 points, not 60. Yeah, and so. he, he's probably more a 280 hitter like he was two years ago. Um, but I think the power and speed is more what it was last year than it was three years ago when he did hit 280. Um, so just really confusing player. Um kind of like Robinson Cano now in Seattle. Um, he has a great second half last year. You, he's a guy you traded for at the trade deadline in one of our leagues. Um, but just a brutal start to the season. And, you know, I guess he had some stomach issues that he was battling in the beginning of the year and got them figured out around the All-Star break, and then he really turned it on. That was my reason for ranking him third ahead of Dozier. Um but can we expect Robbie Cano, and how old is Robbie Cano? 33. 33. Can we expect him at the age 33 season to keep that up? Yeah, talk about an odd season for Cano last year. It was just really, really strange. I mean, I feel like people think that he had a really terrible year last year. And he hit two eighty seven with 21 homers. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously a lot of that was in the second half. I feel like at some point in June he still only had two or three home runs. So he had a big second half that boosted those numbers. But I don't know. I'm, I'm Looking back on it, I feel like I should have moved him ahead of Kipnis and had him fourth here. But 
we're definitely on the downside of, of Robbie Cano's career. I don't think anyone can argue that. But he's still a guy that I, I feel like even on a down year like he had last year has the ability to put up 20 homers yeah. and, and hit for a decent average for it. He still can swing the bat. Obviously, the move to the ballpark in Seattle was a bad thing for him. Um, he feasted in New York, and moving out to Safeco wasn't really a good deal for him. But just talking strictly second base, he's still one of the top guys, and if you can get 20 home runs from, from Pinnell again this year, uh, you'll take it. Yeah, I'll be interested when I do some mocks this weekend just to see, again, where the public falls on him. I mean, he was in no doubt first, second rounder for how many years now. And I feel like you're going to be able to wait, maybe get him around that fifth, five to six round range. And if you're able to get Cano there, I think that's great value. But I'm willing to bet there's still going to be a few guys out there paying for his name um, in the past production that they had because... They just don't. They they're not willing to take a chance on a player that they don't know and they know to know. Yeah, not to stretch this out, but that was actually one thing I wanted to ask you. And I, he's going to be a guy that goes back into the draft in our league. Uh-huh. Um, what kind of value is he going to have in an auction draft? Uh, the name's still big, and obviously he plays at a premium position. Um, what are we going to be looking at price tag for this guy? Because he's a guy that I'm certainly interested in. Yeah, our league's so hard to gauge price. Um, if, if, you know, you're looking for advice from us on what you should pay for Canal, um, cause in our league, there's 128 players off the board before we even start picking. But in our league, I think he's going to go 35, 40, I think. Um, I think you're really going to have to pay for him, especially at the middle infield position. Um, in a, in a standard auction, 25, 30 would probably be my ceiling for him. So you feel like it's going to be like a Dustin Pedroia from like a year or two ago? Yeah. People are still going to oh yeah going to pay for that name and yeah know. yeah because and the other thing I think is I don't know if people realize how deep second base is depending on how much time you spend digging into this. Um, so I feel like they're going to say oh it's important to have a good middle infielder and Cano is one of the more steady ones that we know what we're going to get from him for the most part and I think people are willing to pay up for that uh, safety if you want to call it safety at that middle infield position. Yeah, for me, obviously Cano's a guy I'm always interested in. Um, I'm certainly not going to overlook him and if I can get a good value on my will. I don't know that that's going to be there, so I, I think I might be out on Cano in our league just for the fact that as we get into the later part of this segment, I feel like there's some names that you can go after that you're going to get maybe close to similar value for and, and pay a lot less. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're going to get the power production that you're going to get from Cano from any of these other guys, but um, I don't know if the price tag that comes with Cano is going to be worth it in terms of value. Um, so you talked about Dustin Pedroia, and I think this next tier of four, there's two members of the old guard and two members of the new guard here in this next tier for me, and that's Kinsler and Pedroia, two guys that have been mainstays at the second base position for a long time. Lots of fantasy production out of those guys in the past. And then two other guys, um, Colton Wong and Addison Russell, they're kind of members of the new guard coming in. I mean, Russell's going to be a shortstop this year, but he does have second base eligibility um, for this season because of playing second base most of the season last year. Pedroy is a guy that I've made fun of a lot when people have picked him in the last three, four years, or maybe two years, two, three years, because the production just isn't what it was, and people are still paying top dollar for that, expecting 
to get MVP Dustin Pedroia rather than, you know, 10 to 12 second baseman Dustin Pedroia. But I think he's a guy I'm in on this year. Um, I just think that the price that you're going to get him for this year is probably worth it compared to what it's been in the past. Yeah, I'm definitely on board with that. Uh, I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. I said this when the Red Sox gave him the money. That was just a, a terrible move on their part. I, I didn't think that they should be investing that much in a guy that's five six and plays second base to, to be their cornerstone. I know there's a lot of emotional feelings that went into that deal. Um, he's the typical Boston guy. He's the crowd favorite. Gritty. Uh, yeah. He's a really tough guy. Um, but for me, if I'm going to give some, some money to someone, I don't think I'm going to want to give it to someone who's who's going to hit eight home runs this year. Yeah. Um, that's just for me. But obviously, I mean, from a baseball standpoint, he's a guy I'd like to have on my team. Yeah. I feel like he just fits in well with that team. Yeah. But I mean, he has 19 home runs over the past two seasons. Um, he's never really been much of a home run guy, so I mean, you're not really paying for that. But I just feel like the production's slowly starting to fade. He's getting a little older, and but like you said, I think this year, after having the kind of the down season and people overpaying for him the last couple of years, I feel like you might be able to get some good value from him. And yeah, I'd pay about fifteen bucks for him, and I I think that's going to be. I could see him going for twenty in our league, but. Um, if I could get Pedroia at 15, I'd be pretty comfortable with that. Yeah, he might He might go... Obviously, our league's a little inflated, but if I'm in just a, a standard league, I think you might be able to get some good value on Pedroia this year. So, definitely a guy that you want to keep your eye on. He's come out and said that he wants to run more this year, too. Which, I mean, if he wants to do that, then he's definitely a guy I'm going to take a look at um, and see what's going to happen. And Kinsler, for me, moving for, moving forward to the other guy from what I called the old guard... Um, interesting, another guy that I'm kind of split on. I mean, I like his presence in that lineup, but he's kind of like Kipnis to me where I feel like he could hit anywhere between 250 and 300. I mean, the run should be there in the Detroit lineup, um, but I just, maybe I haven't paid much attention to him, but I don't know what I'm going to get from him. Um, I know you have some stats in front of me, so I'm hoping you're going to bring some Revelation to what I just said. Yeah, looking looking at it now, I have him ranked tenth in my list here, and maybe maybe I lowballed a little bit on Kinsler. Uh, the last three seasons, he's been a double double guy, home runs and stolen bases. I didn't realize that that the steals were still there. Um, last year was eleven and ten, so he slowed down a little bit because he was seventeen and fifteen the year before, um, but he did hit two ninety six last year. So. 275 was his worst year out of the last three batting average-wise. So you're still, you're still going to get the average there. Um, I feel like the production's slowly slowing down, though, yeah. for Kinsler. Um, he's getting a little older, 33 years old now. So I think that might be why I tempered my expectations a little bit. But being in, in what we think is going to be a pretty solid Detroit lineup, uh, I could see Kinsler having a nice year and... Obviously, if you're going to get that double-double, that's usually what I look for, especially in my middle infielder spots. If I can get the double-digit home runs, double-digit stolen bases, that's kind of what I'm targeting. So you can expect to get somewhere around 10-10 and 10 at least from Kinsler. Yeah, and I have them ranked back-to-back for me, Kinsler 8, Pedroia 9, but I think there's going to be um, a lot more people interested in Kinsler than there are in Pedroia, so I, I don't see me owning Kinsler this year, unfortunately. Um I could see him in our league going for almost 30. 
and I'm I'm definitely not in for that. So you think Kinsler's going to go for about ten bucks more than Pedroia? I would I would say so. Yeah. We might, we might have to throw a little side bet on that <laughs> one, but we'll see. Uh, do you, I do you think Kinsler will go for more though? Right. I think Kinsler will go for more than Pedroia. Yeah. Uh, and I actually think I, I might know who's going to take him in our league, but I think it might be closer closer than we think on the on the value on those two guys. Well, it would be interesting to see. And um, after our draft, we will certainly recap that here on the podcast to just talk about some guys. So um, write that down in your notebook that we're going to talk about Kinsler and Pedroia then after that. Um, let's move on to a St. Louis Cardinals player. Um, for those guys that have been listening to the podcast, you guys know that that's my favorite team. Um, I love Colton Wong as a player, but the addition of Jed Jerko makes me a little nervous um, as far as going out and getting Wong this year in fantasy because you can't argue with the power potential with Wong. Um, You know, he does run a little bit for the Cardinals as well. He said he wants to hit at the top of the order. He hasn't really given the on-base percentage skills to prove that he belongs there over a guy like Matt Carpenter. Um, Don't really know he's going to hit two for the Cardinals yet. I don't think it'll be Wong if Carpenter's hitting one. Um, so the fact that you know Jerko's right-handed hits lefties pretty well, I could see some some abs going away for Wong, unfortunately. Whereas I, I kind of think the Cardinals should just let him play and see what happens. But he's a guy that I think fits right into this ten eleven range um, in second baseman. But I'm not I'm not sure where I stand on him yet. Well, I like Wong, and I think he's the, the clear choice at second base. I'm going to be really disappointed if uh, Jerko starts eating into his at-bats. Um, I know just because I'm friends with you, I, I, I watch a lot of, follow a lot of Cardinals baseball, and I feel like Wong's just a perfect fit for that team. He's really good. He, yeah. He's just the kind of baseball player that the Cardinals like to go after. Just seems like a Cardinals guy. Um, he kind of can do a little bit of everything, I feel like. And... He, here's my stance on him as a Cardinals fan. He's either due for a monster breakout or he's going to get the Colby Rasmus treatment and he's not going to be on the Cardinals by the end of the season. Um, he's done a couple stupid things. You know, he got picked off in the World Series a couple years ago. I don't really fault him for that much. Um, you know, he makes some 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 bad errors at second base that I think kind of tick some of the Cardinals play, players off that they're kind of hard-headed still in the old-school mentality of baseball. Um, I know he's a guy that probably would get under Chris Carpenter's nerves a little bit when he was on the mound. Um, but the talent is there, and it's there like it was with Colby Rasmus. I just wonder if he's ever going to put it all together because I feel like there's some holes in his game right now. And with that being said, I'm going to preface this with I did say I love Colt Wong. I think he's a great talent. Um I just could see the Cardinals moving away from him because I think, you know, I think there is some value there. And if, if Jerko hits well for them, I could see them moving along for a pitcher or an outfielder or something, unfortunately. Yeah, I was actually going to go into my next point about him. I think this could be a make-or-break season for yeah, Wong. Yeah, definitely. Um, I could see him going and being a 2020 guy this year. I could see that happening. Um, two years ago, he goes 12-20. and 20. Last year, he goes 11-15. and 15. So... Obviously, the power and steel production is there. I, I, it's whether or not he's going to take that next jump or whether he, 
he's going to just be a guy that they, they start platooning, start picking their spots with, and yeah. maybe moving on from. Yeah, and if they have to go out and get a pit, like I said, a pitcher or an outfielder, um, or even a first baseman, you know, him and Matt Adams are the real trade chips on that team right now. Um, just because they have guys to kind of backfill in behind them. You can't really move Piscotti or Grichuk because of Matt Holiday being the last year of his contract. And I hate to just continue to blabber on about the Cardinals in this podcast, but um, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm not sure as a Cardinals fan what the acquisition of Jerko means to this team. And they gave up a guy, John Jay, to get Jerko. I feel like they really like Jay. He came up through the organization. He's been, I think, a key leader on the team. But they were willing to part with him for a guy who's kind of toiled the last two years. So um, I just it just makes me. I always wonder in the back of my mind what they're thinking when they do something. And I think that that said a lot about what they maybe value with Long. Well, obviously you know more about the Cardinals than I do, <laughs> but I feel like the Jerko thing is going to come into play. I think they're going to play him more at first base and maybe the outfield um, yeah. than they are at second. Maybe that's just what I'm hoping. And I think I'm predicting the big year from Long this year based on, I don't know, they lost out on a couple guys to the Cubs. And I just feel like they're the team that's like, you know what, you got those guys. We're gonna find our own guy this year. And yeah. We already have. We already have it. Yeah. Um, it seems like someone else steps up for them every season and and has has that year where they're like, you know what, we already had the guy on our team. We don't need that guy. So, I think Wong might be that guy this year in St. Louis. So, well, I hope you're right. Um, and you mentioned the daunted Cubbies. So let's talk about Addison Russell then. Here's a guy that I'm all in on this year. Um, he was he's 21 last year, or he was 20 last year. He's 21 this year. Um, you know, great lineup. He hit ninth all year last year because of the amazing Joe Madden um, deciding that he didn't want to put any pressure on a kid who um, was one of the top minor leaguers in the game, and he didn't feel like he could live up to it. You know, so you may look at Russell's numbers and be disappointed, but I think this dude can really hit. I like him a lot, um, and I've heard a lot of fantasy experts talk about how they think it's funny that people are in love with Corey Seager, but they're not even paying any attention to Addison Russell, whereas if Seager had come up last year and put up Russell's numbers and Russell hadn't played in the majors at all, it would be completely vice versa. Yeah, I'm, I'm high on Russell as well. And get, on that comparison, let me just say, I, I think Seager's better than Russell. I'm, I agree, <laughs> I agree. But do you think Seager's better than Russell because you've seen Russell and you haven't seen Seager yet? That's my point. Yeah, th- there might be some truth to that. I mean, obviously, Russell gets the full year in the bigs last year. Seager only gets the cup of coffee at the end. Um I just just based on the minor league production is I guess what I'm basing mine on, but yeah, there might be some truth to that as far as we saw Russell for a year last year, but it wasn't in the situation that we want to see him. So, no. I mean, like you said, he was batting ninth all year, not a lot of RBI opportunities, not a lot of good spots to be hitting in. Um, they didn't ask him to do too much. <coughs> I think maybe this year they they asked him to do a little bit more. I'm the only reason I don't have him higher. It's because I, I think I'm going to wait another year. I think it might come in a year later for Russell. I don't know that this year is going to be the big breakout. I, I think he's going to hit ninth again, unfortunately. Just looking at their lineup, I don't know who else 
profiles for that that spot, and you know that you know Joe Madden's not going to hit the pitcher ninth. So, unfortunately, that's the one thing about Russell that I don't like. But the talent's there. Yeah, I I think I have to agree with you. It's almost like who are, who else are they going to hit at the end of the yeah, order? They're not going to put Hayward there. They're not going to put Zobers there. there. Who, who's going to bat there? They might just do it again with Russell and have those veterans at the top of the lineup there. Yeah, I mean, I guess on days where David Ross catches Lester, I would anticipate he would hit ninth because he stinks. <laughs> um, but if he's looking for a second leadoff hitter, then maybe he would keep Russell there. Um, and then Einhole, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think that's why I had him ninth, and we're going to get to Zobrist later, I feel like. But yeah. uh, I, have him, I have him ahead of Zobrist, even though Zobrist might get that call at second in the top of the order. Um, I just feel like the potential for Russell to take over and have a big season was enough for me to move him up in the rankings because I feel like it's coming. Quick sidebar, who leads off for the Cubbies? <laughs> Is it him? I mean, just a shot be. there. It might be. I, I still don't think Hayward's a leadoff hitter. I think that was proven last year with the Cardinals. I think he's better off um, either second or, you know, maybe even sixth. Obviously, Rizzo and Bryant third and fourth you'd think Schwarber would probably hit second or fifth um so maybe Schwarber and Hayward you know take care of the two and five roles Zobrist is probably a perfect six hitter um Solaire's not going to lead off so you know it's either for me either it's got to be Russell Hayward or Zobrist leading off yeah it's got to be one of those three guys look at look at the lineup now it's it's got to be one of those three guys and I, I think I'd rather have Russell there if I'm the Cubbies um I wonder if he, he starts out with Zobrist as a leadoff hitter, though, just because he's kind of the guy he's known for a long time. Yeah, I mean, obviously they have the Tampa Bay connection. He was his yeah. coach for a while. Um, kind of did it all for him. I hate talking about the Cubs so much. <laughs> I don't like it. So let's get the next guy out of the way. Let's talk about Zobrist now. I had him 11th. You had him 14th. Um, so we're kind of, I think, in the same ballpark on Zobrist. I'm a little higher just because... I think his high contact um, plays well in that lineup, and I also think there he's in for a little bit of a power boost in Chicago. Um, I just think he's going to have an opportunity to either score a lot of runs or drive in a lot of runs, and I think getting that from a second baseman is huge, especially when they have, uh, I think he has shortstop, no, just left field, outfield eligibility. So second base outfield eligibility for him, you get that opportunity to move him in and out of some spots and create some roster flexibility. So I think Zobris is a guy that I'm really targeting this year at second base, unfortunately, because, I, like I said, I can't stand the Cubs. Yeah, I was a big Zobris fan when he was back in his prime. Um, the reason for me to slide him down to 14 is the, the age is catching up, catching up to Zobris, I think. 35. He's 34 right now, okay. so... But the thing I like about Zobris is he, he used to fill up so many categories, and that flexibility was always nice. But the stolen bases are, are, are a thing of the past now for him, so you can't really count on that. Uh, the average is, is kind of dwindling. I mean, he's never been a huge average guy, but I feel like uh, now that I look at it, I mean, he hit 276 last year. So, I mean, I just don't think you're going to have the big average from him. He doesn't wow me in anything. The one thing I will say about him, though, is he's finally going to a hitter's ballpark. Yeah. So that's a, that's a nice thing. He's going to a hitter's ballpark on a, in a lineup that, that should be pretty good. Mm-hmm. So obviously there, there's reasons to be excited about that. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm 
struggling to, to be too high on Zobris. He's a guy that I feel like if I can get in my middle infield position, I'll be, I'll be happy about it. Um, you can definitely find some good value there if he's your, not your starting second baseman, but your, your middle infield spot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, once we get out of this top 12, which he's right on the cusp of, I mean, this is really what we're talking about, middle infield guys. Um, most leagues, I think, are 10 or 12-man leagues. So, in this case, Zobers definitely is a middle infield guy. And as we talked about before the podcast, not many shortstops are going to be playing that middle infield spot in your fantasy lineup. Um, we're going to get to shortstops in a week or so here. And that position is just bone dry. So, I'm looking forward to getting to that because we're going to have to get creative and find some values there at shortstop. So, yeah, Zobers, definite middle infield candidate. Um, in a deeper league, though, I think you, I think you're going to be surprised with what you get out of him at second base. So, why don't you just stay off Zobrist, and um, I'll get him, and we can talk about how smart I am later <laughs> later on in the summer. Um, next guy I want to talk about. This one's going to tug at the heartstrings a little bit, buddy. Uh, Devin Travis, another guy. Um, so, backstory here. Probably about midnight right around this time last year when you were dying for a first baseman to keep. And I had a $7 Brandon Moss available. Um, he also had outfield eligibility, so there was a nice multi-position there. He was getting touted as going to Cleveland and doing well, and you threw me a minor leaguer that you loved named Devin Travis that you weren't sold that he was ever going to become anything really. Um and the rest is history. He he starts out, you know, great out the gate. I move him for Tulowitzki, which probably wasn't a great move, but um, I'm interested to see what you think about your former heartthrob, Devin Travis. Well, obviously I drafted him in our minor league drafts a few years ago, and I got him for what I thought was a steal. I kept him secret from you. <laughs> I was following the guy for a while. Um Went to Florida State, and he did a great job there. And I, I just always liked the guy, and I, I liked what he could do. But, yeah, I, I traded him last year for Brandon Moss. I talked to our one of our owners in our league before I made the deal and asked him if I should do the Travis for Moss deal because I, I had in the back of my mind I thought Travis was had the potential to be that 15-15 guy, maybe hit close to 300 and, and really be a star at second base. And he, he told me that the potential's there, but it's, that's probably not going to happen. He was going to be more of a, a middle and second baseman, so I needed some power at the corner, and he told he said that Moss was still going to be good for this year, so I went and made the move, and obviously Moss is not good anymore. Uh, he's, he's not the player that I was hoping, and Travis goes out and has that big start for you and turns into a great trade piece for you last year, um, enabling you to go out and make a big move. But I'm still high on Devin Travis. Um, I know, obviously... He gets hurt last year, and it kind of slows down the pace that he was on, which was incredible to start the year. I mean, the guy was just doing it all. Yeah. Uh, hitting for power, stealing bags, scoring runs for you at a high rate. Uh, he was doing everything. I think I think that's going to continue this year. Um, I'm going to temper my expectations a little bit, but if we saw last year, once he started batting in the top of that order, he's a really, really solid player. And I think he's a guy that – you can really count on to be consistent. Um, you can fill up a bunch of categories for you, but you're, you're going to get something from him every day, it feels like. 
whether it's whether it's some pop or whether it's a stolen bag, you're gonna get something out of the guy, and that's kind of I think what you're looking for, especially when you get down to this portion of the second baseman guys, uh, someone that can fill up something for you on, on a daily basis. So yeah, so he played about 50 games last year, I want to say, and eight homers and three stolen bases, 304 average. Drives in 35 runs and scores 38 runs. 217 at-bats. You have the games in front of you? Yeah, he played 62 games. 62. Okay, so I was close. <coughs> I'm looking at the projections here for him on Fantasy Pros. They're only projecting 351 at-bats for him. I don't know where that number's coming from because I don't know who's taking at-bats away from him in Toronto. Um, but with those 351 at-bats... They are projecting 10 homers and 7 stolen bases for him. So if he plays as much as we think he's going to play, which is probably closer to that 500, 550 at-bats, we're talking about a pretty good player here and someone that's much higher than where we have him ranked at 13 right now. So, yeah, I I like Travis a lot. I'm interested to see if he's still going to hit in the top of that order. Um... I can't think of who was leading off for the Blue Jays in the playoffs. I guess it was probably wasn't Ben Revere because he was hitting at the bottom of the order. Um, maybe I'll look that up while you talk a little bit more about Travis. Yeah, I think the when you're valuing Travis, you have to take into account where he's going to be batting in the order. Um, if he's batting in that eight or nine where he started the season, uh, obviously his value is going to drop a little bit. Uh, but when he started batting one and two, I guess it was, it's, I think he bounced back and forth a couple from those two spots. His value is through the roof, uh, mm-hmm. especially with those guys coming up behind him. Uh, a lot of opportunities to, to score a bunch of runs in that offense. And the thing I like about Travis is I followed him a lot in his minor leagues the first couple seasons he was there. The guy has hit everywhere he's been. He just hits. And everyone's saying he's, he's a small guy, he's going to slow down, but... He's just consistently been a hitter. Um, and sometimes he, he, he wasn't really highly touted, but you just have to go with guys that are, that are just good players. He's just a yeah. good all-around player. Yeah, he, he reminds me a little bit of Pedroia. And going back to who might lead off for them, um, it's it's really, in my opinion, I, I mean, I think they're going to give Pompey another shot um, just because, you know, he was so highly touted. I, I can't see Kevin Pillar leading off for them and the other guy is Ryan Goins but he would be competing with Travis for playing time so really you know he does have a shot to hit one again behind guys like Donaldson and Encarnacion and Tulwitzki and Bautista so that's huge I mean if if this guy's leading off go out and get him and just pencil him in for at least 80 runs scored 10 to 15 homers 10 stolen bases and um, maybe even some RBIs out of the leadoff spot because I, I really like that Blue Jays lineup. Um, all right, next guy that I want to talk about. The only guy that we both ranked in our top 16 then that's left is DJ LeMayhew. Um, everybody else, either I ranked or you didn't, or you ranked and I didn't. Um, so DJ LeMayhew, Rocky second baseman, he had a pretty nice year last year. Never really was known for his offense. Um, always been more of a defensive guy, but he does put together the nice year last year. 
the thing that I find interesting about LeMahieu, when you look at some of these variances on where people have guys ranked, most of them you could see, you know, 10 to 15 spots between their best and worst rankings. LeMahieu is pretty solid. The The highest guy on him as in 10th, the lowest guy on him as in 15th. And I think that's got to be the course field factor. So... That's again, you know, I talked about last podcast. I love talking about Rockies players. I think that's really what you're paying for when you go after a guy like DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, I have him 17th on my list. Um, might be a little low on LeMahieu, but I don't know. He's just a guy that I've never really, never really been that thrilled about. But last year he comes out, he hits 300. And the big thing for me is 23 stolen bases. Yeah. Um, the power is not really there for him, but. Obviously, if he's gonna, you're gonna get a guy that hits 300 and steals over 20 bags. That's just great production from the second base spot. Um, I feel like it's another guy that maybe I'm ranking just because he killed me again last year. <laughs> um, just like going back to Derek Norris killed me. I had him ranked in my catchers. Lemayhew just killed me last year. Every time I played him, he just was phenomenal. Um, I don't know. I mean. It's tough for me to rank him too high. I don't know that he, he's that great of a player. I think last year might have been his peak season. Uh, I think that might have been a career year for him. I think he slides back down, drops a little bit in batting average. I don't know that those 23 stolen bases are going to be sustainable. I think he drops down. Maybe the, maybe 15 is a good target for him yeah. uh, stolen base-wise. I don't think he gets over 20 again. But... No. Certainly a guy to keep your eye on. The nice thing, I think, about LeMahieu is there's nobody pushing him out of that spot. You know, you worry about um, Colorado as a bad team, and maybe, you know, they'll they'll move some prospects up and start playing guys like Trevor Story. I mean, I guess they could keep Reyes at short and move Story to second, and that would push LeMahieu out. But um, I think they'd be more likely to move Reyes to make room for Story than, you know, necessarily move LeMahieu out of the lineup. So I think that's nice. And I do think he has a pretty high floor just because he's playing in Coors Field, whereas, you know, guys that I have ranked close to him are Neil Walker. You know, I could see him completely bottom, bottoming out in New York. Um, and I think he's a guy that you wanted to talk about tonight, especially, was Neil Walker. Yeah, we'll get to him when we're, when we're done our rankings here. He was definitely a guy I wanted to talk about. But just touching a little bit on the maybe to end, I mean... We talk about it all the time. If you're on the Rockies, we kind of have to take a look at you. Yeah. Uh, no matter if you're a, a, a star or if you're just a, a middle middle and guy like Lemayhew is, I mean, there's always just that potential playing in that ballpark, playing in the thin air, for you to put up some good offensive numbers. Uh, they may not be the best team, but it's just you always gotta just take a look at Rockies players just based on on the ballpark factor. All right, so a guy that you had ranked 12th that I didn't rank at all and I may have overlooked, Joe Panic. Now, we talked about LeMahieu being a pretty consistent ranking between 10 and 15. Panic goes anywhere from 11 to 32. So people are really torn about what to expect from Joe Panic. Um, he's a guy that um, I had never even heard of until somebody took him in our minors draft two years ago. And then he ends up coming up at the end of that season and a real high contact guy fits right into what the Giants do. You know, just another guy that like Travis, he's just a good player as now that I've gotten to see him play a little bit. Um, but 
I just think that there's guys with much higher upside than him. Panic. I, I feel like there's no upside, and I feel like that's why I didn't rank him in my top 16. Yeah, the things that really stuck out for me about Panic, I have him ranked 12th. Uh, might be a little high, but once again, I think it's going to be a good year in San Francisco. And Panic just hits, man. He hit 312 last year. He only played in 100 games, which is concerning. Obviously, I mean, that if you're not going to be playing every day, it kind of kills your value. But I feel like he's only 25 years old, and I feel like we could be seeing someone that's going to slide into more of a playing every day role. And I think I think we could be in store for a good season from Panic. Uh, he, was, he was my flyer in this one. I usually like to take one guy in every position here and, and rank them a little higher than I think. And I think Panic's my guy at this position. I mean, if you're going to hit 312 and you're going to play second base, uh, I just I'm going to take a look at you. I'm not going to get into too much more. I just think Panic, for whatever reason, is my guy this year that I'm going to take a chance on. Yeah, he's a good player. And like I said, I may have overlooked him. But I just I saw some guys ahead of him that I've ranked that I think that there's more power potential for. And I think that's maybe what I'm chasing at second base because I feel like Panic's not going to win me any categories. And I feel like there's guys of Panic's talent level and production level on the waiver wire available almost all year long. So that's why I probably ranked a guy like Neil Walker ahead of him. So Neil Walker goes to the Mets, replaces Daniel Murphy in their lineup. Um, He's been one of the more steady second basemen. Um, Pretty consistent bat. I know you've owned him once or twice in the last couple years. Um... So I like Neil Walker, especially going to what I think is an underrated Mets lineup. I think that there's some real <clears throat> RBI potential. I could see him hitting fifth or sixth in that lineup. So he's a guy that I'd be willing to take a chance on. And a guy that I probably have overlooked in the past um, for whatever reason that is. Yeah, I was a big Walker owner uh, the past few years I've had on my on my club. I think the reason that I'm down on Walker, I didn't have him in my rankings, is just the city field move isn't a good look for, for anyone. Because I normally, the reason I liked Walker was the power potential. And I feel like that really takes a hit when you move to city field. Um, Going to be a lot tougher to get the ball out of the ballpark uh, for Walker this year, I think. So if I, he's a guy that I was hoping to maybe get anywhere between 15 and 20 home runs. And I don't know that that's going to happen this year. I think we might be looking at a more somewhere around 10 to 12 home runs from Walker. So that's a, that's not going to cut it for me this year. So that's why I'm down on him. What's his batting average in like the last couple of years? Uh, 271 two years ago, 269 last year. So he's you're looking at a 270 hitter. Yeah, I'd take 270 and 12 homers from my middle infield spot. Um, but I'm wondering maybe people pay up for that name again. He's, he's a name that people are familiar with, much like Howie Kendrick. He stays in stays um, in Los Angeles with the Dodgers. Signs a late free agent deal with them. He's just another steady player, and I feel like he's a great fit for this Dodgers lineup. So he's another guy I'm going to take a look at um, this year to maybe be playing my middle infield role. Yeah, Howie Kendrick is a guy. Just basing off our league, I feel like he gets overpaid every year, um, but he's always. A solid player. Yep. Um, I feel like he gets he gets paid more in our league than he should, but I mean he's a guy that you kind of have to. I feel like every year uh, 
and get that steady production from. I'm out on Kendrick, though, this year. Uh, I, I think the age is finally going to catch up to him. Um, he's, he doesn't do enough for me from the power and steals perspective for me to really be too high on. So I'd, I'd just like to know where he's going to hit in the Dodgers order. I mean, I've seen him hit fourth to sixth, and um, hitting in that lineup in that spot, I think, is usually okay for run production. Yeah, it should be. I mean, I don't think Kendrick's going to make or break your season, let's put it that way. No. Um, but he's certainly a guy, I mean, obviously all these guys we're talking about are... If the price is right. <laughs> yeah, if you can get him for good value, you slot him in your middle infield position if you have it in your league. And I think you're going to be happy with a lot of these guys, like we touched on. There, there's a lot of a lot of good second basemen down here in this third, fourth tier that are, yeah. that are real similar. Just kind of pick your poison. Who do you like? Um, the guy you kind of liked was Daniel Murphy. You had him at 15. He has second base, third base eligibility. I did not rank Murphy because he, to me, is this year's Cody Ross. Guy that uh, went nuts in the postseason, parlays that into a deal. And I just, for some reason, I think the Nationals have all the talent in the world, but I think they're one of the most poorly run organizations in Major League Baseball, so... Much like you like the Chase Cardinals players, I like to stay away from Nationals players. So that's kind of my reasoning. Yeah, I have Murphy ranked 15th. And I actually don't confuse that with me being high on Murphy this yeah. year. Uh, I think it's more of the fact that you can pretty much play him anywhere. Um, you can play him at second. You can play him at third. You can play him play corner, him in a bunch of different spots. Corner, middle, infield. So, I mean, that flexibility is a big deal, especially in a league like ours. So that's – I kind of – base my rankings off of our league a little bit mm-hmm. when I'm doing this, so just having that flexibility with Murphy, being able to play a couple different spots is nice, and you just have that, that power potential. Obviously, him going nuts in the playoffs, I don't think that's sustainable. No, That's not what we're going to see. We're not going to see a guy that comes out and hits 30 home runs this no. year, but just that potential to be able to, to maybe go on spurts like that is, is enough for me to keep him on my radar. I think you're going to have to pay too much for him. Though. Yeah, Just like the Nationals had to pay too much for him then you're going to have to pay too much for him in the draft to, to get any value. Yep, and then um, Ben Zobris Light, a.k.a. Logan Forsyth, is the last guy that you ranked. He's got first base and second base eligibility in CBS leagues. That's interesting to me because um, you usually don't see that combination much. He's just not a guy I can get behind. I don't know. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about him since you're the one that ranked him? Yeah, he was another one. The position eligibility is kind of the intriguing factor here. And if you're playing him at first base, you have bigger issues, though. Yeah, <laughs> obviously. I mean, it's not the not going to be a huge factor as far as playing him at first base, but you know, to play him in your middle infield, your yeah. corner infield, on days where there's not a lot of games, I mean, you get, you get that little uptick of being able to move, just be able to shift your roster around and move some guys around to create some flexibility is always a nice thing. And I just think he's going to get. An everyday job there. He's going to be in the lineup a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, he's. I know the Rays like to move people around a lot, but I think he's going to be the guy that kind of sticks in that lineup. Yeah, he, he's a guy that's going to play every day for them, and yeah. based off that, you should get production worth what you're going to pay for him. But there's just more intriguing names for me. One, A couple I think we're going to get to now, because you always like to end the show talking about a few guys that we don't necessarily rank. Yeah, a few, few guys that we, we really didn't get to here now that we're done our rankings. Um First one that I'm intrigued about is what are we going to get from Starlin Castro in New York this year? 
Uh, he was a guy that was came out of the gates in Chicago and was a top guy yeah. at, at the shortstop position, and he just fell off. Um, what are we going to get from this guy? Uh, he's got shortstop eligibility, which I think is really nice um, because I think we're going to see some decent production from him. I don't think that he suddenly, at what, the age of 25? Yep. I don't think he forgot how to hit. I think he just maybe played. You know, some guys need to change the scenery. And I think playing with established veterans like A-Rod and Brian McCann and Carlos Beltran is going to be really good for him. And um, he's a guy that I'm going to be looking at very closely this year. I actually, I mean, I didn't really want to bring this up, but I felt like it was a topic we needed to discuss because I think that both of us are going to be on Castro this year. Um, I think there's going to be a bunch of people in on Castro in our draft, so not really concerned that it's just going to be me and you. Um, But yeah, I'm high on Castro as well. I think we're going to see, it was just really one, it wasn't even that bad of a year. It wasn't a great year, but obviously there was a lot of high expectations and he just didn't meet them. I I still think the guy can play. Yeah. So uh, I'm expecting good things out of Castro this year. Uh, One that we touched on a little bit, but let's just finish up here. You're the Cardinals guy. Jed Jorko is a guy that you loved a couple years ago, had a big year for you a couple years ago, really carried your team. Um, What's his impact going to be in St. Louis? I have no idea. Um, I I agree with you that I feel like he could be playing um, some first base because I think the thing that's interesting is that Moss and Adams are really the same player. Um, So I think that there's going to be days where he gives Wong a breather I think there's going to be days he gives Carpenter a breather, and I think there's going to be days that he gives Moss slash Adams a breather. Um, there may be even days that he gives Peralta a breather at shortstop. He played a little short last year for San Diego. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to get enough at-bats to be relevant, but if an injury comes through, um, he's a guy that you definitely want to take a shot on because he's another guy I don't think he just forgot how to hit. The Padres went out and gave him a big deal. So, I, I, I like Jerko. Yeah, 23 home runs in 2013. So, that was the kind of the reasoning. I know we, you, you had him that year. Um, I was actually just going to say that to you. If we get an injury, I feel like Jerko's a guy that I'm definitely going to – you're going to have to take a look at. I feel like he might be on some waiver wires Yeah. just because he's not going to play every day. But if you get an injury somewhere in that Cardinals lineup, uh, he's definitely going to be a guy worth looking at. Yep. Um, one more – two more guys I have here. First one, Brandon Phillips. What a <laughs> – I know he's a guy that me and you both like to dog on. Um, we're not a big fan of uh, his style. But you went from being a top second baseman not too long ago. And how, how drastic is the drop-off here? It, I don't – I mean, in, in, a, in a 16-team league, obviously he's going to get drafted to probably fill a middle infield spot. But so much of his production in the past was based off RBIs and what now is a pretty weak – Cincinnati lineup. Um, I just don't. I think they have to move him at some point this year, and I just don't think he's consistent enough of a hitter. They're going to want to get Peraza in there. I think it's too early for them to quit on Billy Hamilton, but they might end up doing that. I don't. I don't know why that's going to shake out. So Phillips is a guy that, as usual, I won't be owning. See, this is why it's so intriguing for me. Everyone's down. Brandon Phillips, I see him ranked around the 20 range in most most rankings. He had 12 homers and 23 stolen bags last year. He hit 294. Wow. That's a, that's a really, really good season for a second baseman. And I'm not high on him either. And it's just, 
It's yeah. so confusing to me. Like, I mean, I, I, I would have guessed he hit about two forty with eight homers and eight stolen bases. Yeah, so. When I looked up his numbers today, I, I was just shocked. Like, because I'm not high on the guy either. But it's just like, why? Why am I not looking at this guy? When, I mean, two years ago he has the bad year, but I mean he has a great year last year, and no one's really paying attention. So, yeah. I'm not really sure. And then this this last one, I just wanted to maybe make you chuckle a little bit. I feel feel like you might know this one's coming. So, I'm the big Javier Baez guy. Um, obviously it seems like things are full in Chicago. This guy, I couldn't have been more high on him, and I'm starting to feel like I was way wrong. It's looking that way. Is there anything there for Baez? Uh, Is the guy done? Is he, are they going to move him? What's going to go on here with Javier Baez? What happened to him? Um, I just feel like the Cubs got too good too fast, and I feel like they kind of, you know, if they if they don't go out and get Addison Russell in that trade from Oakland, I think maybe we're talking about Baez a little differently. But I think he just doesn't fit into their plans, and I feel like that the only way he's going to get a shake on the team is if they trade him. And it's just it's too it's too completely boom or bust for me to have any interest in Baez, and I think it's way closer to bust than it is to boom. See, the interesting thing for me is he's still only 23 years old. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, a, he's a really young kid. He's got to get moved, though. I, I just feel like I was so high on coming up in Chicago, playing shortstop. He was supposed to be, I mean, a guy that you could be looking at for 30, 40 home runs out of the shortstop spot. And it's hard not to be high on a guy like that. But, I mean, it's com- becoming clear that we're probably never going to see that from him. Yeah. Um, I mean, we just rattled off the Cubs lineup. It almost sounds like that could be our National League All Star starting lineup. The co- the guys the Cubs are running out there, yeah. And there's just no room for him. He's you know, I don't think he, I don't think he really fits into the type of um, team that Joe Madden likes to manage either. Yeah, I feel like he's a guy more suited to go somewhere that that's not a good team. Yeah, and they kind of just let him do whatever he wants. I mean, he might he might be better suited for that. Um, so I guess I'll just ask you. If you see him go, maybe they, he gets traded this year. He probably still has a little bit of trade value. Mm-hmm. Um, someone willing to take a chance on a young kid. Um, is there anywhere you could see him going that maybe he has some success? Um, I could see him like a team like Atlanta, um, even a team like Philadelphia. I would love to see him in a small ballpark, and I don't care if he hits two forty because I feel like he could hit thirty homers still. Um, but it, I, it's going to have to be for a pitcher, I'd imagine. The Cubs also have a, a million pitchers on the team, so I just don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with him. Yeah, I feel like Baez is a guy that's going to get moved for some maybe some bullpen depth at the end of the year this year. That's my take. Yeah, um, Philadelphia was one of the spots I was thinking of. I mean, they seem like a team that could be willing to take a chance. Uh, they they have to. Um, they have some. I think feel like they have some bullpen arms. They could they could get rid of, and maybe they take a chance and go get buys. I'd be excited to see that down at the bank, mm-hmm. seeing a guy that has that kind of potential. Um, maybe he makes a difference in Philadelphia. I don't know. I'm still rooting for the guy. Obviously, I have some emotional ties to it. I, I was a big Baez guy, but just an interesting one for me. So yeah, and I just thought we've gone through three position shows and we've barely talked about any Phillies players. So it just again <laughs> shows you know. We're here in Pennsylvania talking about how bad the Phillies are going to be. Some other names that I just think are interesting. I don't really 
I don't really have any time to give analysis on him, but other guys at second base that you could find value in, um, Jonathan Scope in Baltimore, there's some power potential there. Josh Harrison coming off um, a great 2014, tailored off a little bit in 2015, but I think Harrison's a guy that you maybe get some value. And then a guy like Corey Spangenberg in San Diego. Um, Spangenberg is a guy that they're really high on, and I kind of like what he could do in San Diego playing every day in that lineup. So those are some other guys that I think at this second base spot um, that you might be able to find some value in. And then don't sleep on Jerks and Profar. He had a nice fall. Um, and I think that there's still some talent there if he can stay healthy. And so is there anybody else that you wanted to talk about here? Um before we wrap up, Shane? I, th- I think we touched on most most everyone. Uh, one guy that I'm still looking at, uh, I was an owner last year. Uh, I'm interested to see what Brett Lowry does this year. Um, he's with the White Sox now. I feel like there's still power potential there. I know I had him last year and talked about he's, he's kind of an all-or-nothing guy at the spot, but if you're in a bind and, and you can get some good value at second base, take a look at Lowry. Uh, the average isn't going to be there, but he has some some stretches where he can carry you in a in a good way if you can get him at a in your middle infield spot. I mean, obviously you're not drafting him high, but hopefully it doesn't cost you twenty dollars, <laughs> right? Yeah. True. All right. <laughs> so find us on Twitter at Red Triangle Twenty Three. Um, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Red Triangle Sports Podcast. Subscribe, give us a rate, review, let us know how we're doing. Um, thanks for listening. Signing off for Red Triangle Sports and Shane Stein. I am your host, Matt Kozlowski, and we'll talk third baseman sometime soon.